Well, it's really a pleasure to kick off this podcast episode, of course, about scaling up. So as you know, every single week at scaleupvalley.com podcast, we host the best tech leaders uh, in the world to share their experiences scaling up companies. And it's with great pleasure today that uh, I have as uh, our guest, Ricky Thomas, the founder and CEO uh, at Avora, to share his experience scaling up Avora uh, with us. Ricky, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for uh, letting me join this as well. So all good. A pleasure. So yeah, let's start by getting to know a little bit more uh, about yourself. So if you could share us a little bit, what was your career until you decide to move forward and start uh, up Avora? Uh, okay, sure. I'm not sure how far you want me to go back, but um, I'm 39, so it might take a while. So, um, yeah, so where should we go? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I dropped out of um, college, about 17 years old, and um, I, got, um, I got turned down for many data entry jobs, um, saying I was over-enthusiastic. Um, and uh, got, I, got, I got lucky, uh, in effect, um, but I got a packing job um, in a warehouse um, for £6,500 a year, but it happened to be a IBM reseller. Um, so I needed to work. Um, we, my family had separated, and so I had to get a job of some sort um, to help try and pay for some study and so on. But um, So very unqualified, became a packer, very enthusiastic, IBM reseller. Um, so back then, there was no Amazon, Google Cloud. Uh, for example, there was hardware systems, um, very, very expensive ones, you know, sort of 400,000 pound systems um, called the risk systems or the rest 6,000. And um, and just quickly progressed. They saw my enthusiasm as a packer and asked me if I wanted to train up as a junior engineer, uh, which basically meant a hardware engineer in these expensive systems. Um, and, and it kind of took off from there, really. Um, so very, very lucky. It's kind of 1998 sort of things, coming to that dot-com sort of boom sort of area. And uh, I spent the next few years becoming hardware trained on IBM kits, um, Unix qualified um, in AIX, which was IBM's flavor. Um, became engineering manager at the company, um, I think by the age of 20. And, uh, and had got a reputation for understanding how to fix this kit. Um, then um, uh, moved to Sun Microsystem Reseller, a company called Caltech. Um, they were a reseller of Oracle, uh, Veritas, and Sun, so Solaris. And mm -hmm. there was a phenomenal amount of free training going around. So I was still very young, um, got put on hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of training courses over the next few years, uh, became sort of, you know, the sort of Oracle clustering, um, high availability, worldwide replication for the banks. Um, and of course, during 9-11, that became uh, suddenly extremely important. Um, got involved in building the architecture behind some of the betting systems that are out there today, even still. Um, and ended up getting poached to work at um, IG Group, um, so online spread betting company. Um, I'd help build their architecture. Um, before that, uh, just before that part, I'd also launched an online dating website, uh, which was very oh. odd. Yeah, um, we saw people on Yahoo chat, and uh, so they thought, oh, we should build a dating website. And, um, but back then, it was very, very embarrassing. It was, uh, my company website was featured, sent a spread of a national newspaper how two people had met online. Um, it was just, you know, it was just uh, you, you know, you can't meet online, you'll be murdered. Um, it was so weird. Um, so I sold that, uh, went to IG, 
Um, so I, never knew, I made some good money, but nothing much out of it. Um, it was just too early, way too early for its time. And um, yeah, I went to IG. Um, I was very, very lucky. They gave me some shares in the company. Without, they actually forgot to tell me. So when I quit, they said, you can't quit. We're about to float and you're about to make lots of money. Um, so that was, that was a nice surprise. But um, I was just there for a few years and, um, and then decided to go on a break. Um, so I was only, I think, 25 at the time. Um, but I went on a break and um, what did I do then? then I ran things like the Marathon de Saab, the kind of six marathon thing across the desert, lounged about watching daytime TV. Wow. I think I lost some enthusiasm at some point as well. Um, and then I set up a company called Pet Meds, as in pet medication, uh, which was a bit random and everyone thought it was random. Um, but I was kind of thinking, oh, I could go to this um, analyzing all the data that's in the system, so which we make it very easy to bring in. Um, and it tries to say, for example, a key KPI or driver, why is it down or up? You know, what's the reason for the change week on week, day on day, and so on. Um, and within really 20 seconds, it comes back with a dynamically generated waterfall chart saying, this is what's going on. Um, now, this, this, you know, no one's really had this before. Um, so this is a much more, um, let's say, pervasive embedded machine learning situation. It works where the data is already. Um, we don't charge per user. Again, that just locks out half the company from actually seeing this. Um, and so we think we're building a modern yeah. system that is trying to tell you or help you do your job better and free up 80% of your time. Uh, and that is, I probably got around a roundabout way, but that is why we started it. Um, it was far more complicated than expected, um, but that's also how we're different to another dashboard tool. Um, we're providing the end-to-end um, insights platform with algorithms constantly running on the data, trying to help you, um, you know, progress and so on. Um, and I guess the bit I've missed off, and one of our clients, NPR, um, in the US does this, um, is that once you've generated that insight, and I kind of mentioned I had trouble with it before, the likes of tablet, is you want to push it out to a system to, to make use of it. Um, and that's incredibly difficult. But with us, it's kind of like a few clicks, push it out. And so NPR, for example, are automating you know, data input into a billing system on a Friday night for 30 people, for example, um, as well using um, RPA tools, so Robert Process Automation tools. Um, so we feed into them, then you yep. can script up the human behavior. And, and that, you know, that's, that's the future, right? Not, not um, just get us some insight in a, in a BI tool and then try and work your way forward from that. Got it. And of course, being a venture backed business, your, your goal is to really be the category leader worldwide um, in this industry, uh, with, in this particular um, category. And we know how difficult it is. So just 4% of all businesses get to 1 million, 0.4% uh, yeah. to 10 million, and under 0.04% to 100 million, which is the goal of a venture backed business to go from zero to 100 million in five to seven, seven to 10. So we are now seeing companies um, going public a little bit uh, later, uh, given also the, the amount of the rounds. Yeah. nowadays so the point that i'm trying to to get here is until we become category leaders it is very difficult to assure that we are focused on achieving the right milestones step after um step so how do you prioritize uh nowadays at um at Sapphora? do you use okrs so what what is the process behind your strategic planning um exercise uh nowadays okay sure 
I think, first of all, you've scared me with the stats because I, I was probably optimistic I thought they were better. So um, <laughs> I think we reconsider what we're doing. So um, we, um, there's a few things. We do use OKRs. Um, we, we are now heavy on um, trying to understand what's making the employees happy, trying to give emotional support. The things that, yeah. if I was being brutally honest, we didn't give much consideration to before. Um, and partly I think that's wrong. Partly I think in a startup environment, there's not that many of you. Um, and so what we tried to do initially was bring in OKRs very early. And we've got uh, people pushing us to do V2MOMs and you know, the Salesforce version. And we just couldn't get it to work. Um, we just found it so difficult to, to, to kind of have a, you know, let's say a weekly cadence and check-ins going, oh, how are you doing your OKRs? Um, it just didn't work. And it only started to work post um, our Series A funding. And, and simply, that's not the funding, that's the number of people. So you went from, you know, 20 people um, to 40 very quickly. Um, and you can now not keep scraping around trying to work out what's going to do the best thing um to to having a much more planned i guess execution if that makes sense um mm-hmm. so the goals haven't changed um and the methods have like that we're using okrs we're using asana um, we think about asking the employees uh, what makes them happy and check-ins every week and these sort of things um we have weekly meetings as expected uh, where that matters but the, the goals um the goals are the same um, and for us, at least, revenue isn't our top goal. Um, mm-hmm. We have investors that were very clear that customer success should be our top goal, and which, we, which is what we believed as well, but it's refreshing to hear it from investors. In PetMeds, um, the company I had before, um, we stopped spending something like £50,000 a month on AdWords back in 2010 and said we're going to spend that on same-day dispatch, which didn't exist really. Uh, and it sounds silly, Amazon now has just killed it, right? But it didn't exist right. uh, at all, um, especially on the products we were selling. And of course, what happens is the retention goes through the roof, the conversion goes through the roof. Um, and people, when we came to selling the business, people just didn't believe our stats, that we had a 12% conversion rate on the website. And, you know, first to second order retention rate of 55 to 65%. This is usually the third to fourth order. And so we tried to bring that, we tried to bring that to the B2B side, um, while accepting the challenges in spend, right? You, you, you make a big decision um, and might not see an ROI for many months, whereas in B2C, it's almost instant. You can keep tracking on AdWords and so on. So we try to focus on the goals that we think um, are making us sustainable for the long term um, and is what's different um, as opposed to just about the number. Um, so we don't always do an amazing job at that. Um, but as an example, and, and you know, to some extent, this is the order of what we work First of all is employee pulse or engagement. So we want to make sure the staff mm-hmm. are happy. Um, all the colleagues are working well together. That's, that's, that's more important today than it's ever been. Uh, two, um, we look at um, customer success and products, but they're kind of par on par. So on the customer success side, we're thinking about engagement, value, and retention. Um, so we want to maintain 100% retention without it being our fault. So if a company goes bankrupt, for example, that's just, you know, that, that would be okay in terms of it's not our fault. Um, but we want to be focused on retention um, and give an amazing experience where we can um, and value and engagement instead of constantly thinking about let's get more customers and accepting a churn problem, 
Um, so we, we think of churn extremely, you know, extremely negative. Now we have negative revenue churn, which is a typical SaaS metric, right? And we're right up there with like 35% okay. negative revenue. But we don't even track that properly. We track, have we got any churn? Um, and that's the goal that matters. And so we're not being, we're not disguising the fact that we're performing badly somewhere else. Um, then on the product side, um, rather than NPS score, which we found a bit odd for us, I guess, um, it fluctuated, mm -hmm. moving around quite a lot. And at one point, someone wrote to us back saying, can you please stop asking me if I'd recommend you to my colleague? He sat next to me and he's using a Bora. So we, we, we asked him <laughs> around. Uh, yeah, it's just, it was, it was, it's like, you can't keep asking me every month if I'd recommend you to my colleagues. Like it just, it was just true, right? In a collaboration tool like that, it makes no sense. Um, but we read an article more recently, which talked about a different question, which was um, quite simple, which is how disappointed would you be if you couldn't use Agora? Now that makes Very good question. sense. Yeah. And we saw that from um, the guys who started uh, Superhuman, who got it from somewhere else. And it turned out to be the way that Slack measured product, um, you know, <laughs> happiness or such, if you want to call it that. And so we do that as well. And it's a certain number of percentages of very disappointed um, or not much disappointed that, that makes a difference of have we got the product fit there um, as well. Um, and then so we've got so customer, sorry, in, uh, uh, employees, product, customer success, and I think it's then sales. I think they're missing one. I don't know what it is. But sales comes down quite low. Um, so we think if we take care of the customers, sales will take care of itself. Um, so, so that's how we, that's how we kind of keep focused on what are we doing. So, and, and the way you keep everyone on the same page, uh, in, in the company perspective is by, uh, all ends, a company meeting every quarter. So how do you assure that everyone in the company is kind of aligned with what are the priorities? Yeah. So, um, so there's an all hands meeting every two weeks. Um, Got it. Yeah, we we try to have a light version of that now um, every two weeks with a much larger one on the month. We've we've learned that trying to cover all business metrics, all departments is is just a bit too heavy. So we've just been making changes to that. So here's a light touch version of key things that matter. Any key, um, you know, colleague staff changes. And, um, and now we're trying to put someone up to present, you know, here's the product changes this week, or here's what we're doing in marketing, uh, for example. Um, so that's how we keep in touch with the company about all topics that matter, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. However, we're a small company still, you know, even if you're less than 100, you're still talking to each other right. every day. This is how we keep everyone up to date. Um, we do not do any sort of general company email updates. It's, we try to do it all in person on the all hands. Um, then from a, we, we call them the leadership team. So as in the top managers, um, we have a, a, um, it's currently 30 minute meeting, but it keeps going to 50 minutes. Um, but we have a 30 minutes, 50 minute meeting. We use Slack. We post the topics we want to talk about and, um, that's every week. And then, um, I have a one-to-one -one with the same people for 30 minutes every week as well. And we may or may not use all that time. Sometimes it goes more, but that's how I'm. That's how I'm trying to push out, um, and I struggle with that because I like to react, you know, fast and oh, I've got this idea, and trying to <laughs> back and realize, you know, trying to pull back and realize how distracting that is for everyone. Um, but it's difficult, um, so that's how we do it. And then the team leads you know, have something similar with their team, which is one to ones, 
um, as well. Um, and so that's, um, I think, so that's, that's pretty much it. Um, we then use Asana. Uh, we've tried every project tool in the, in the world. Uh, we use Asana to just track the, the must-dos. And we try to avoid putting those into the OKR system. Um, otherwise, the OKRs aren't a measure of something by time. It's more of a to-do list. So, uh, you know, which um, uh, would be wrong. And then other than that, we're trying to do like an annual, all, you know, an annual party, uh, these sort of things. Um, we have a company event every one to two months normally um, to go out for dinner. Uh, these sort of Got it. Sounds perfect. Yeah, I was just talking about and starting with uh, focus and strategy. So having everyone on the same page. Uh, thanks for sharing also the meeting rhythms that you are following in terms of keeping this cadence of accountability, alignment, um, and, and focus. That's the three magical worlds that I that I believe in. So focus, alignment, and um, accountability. And of course, uh, after we have clear what we want for the next stage of growth of the company, and if possible, how it connects with the long-term vision and how we will become category leaders in, in this space. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the main responsibilities of, of, a, of a CEO, and it's a quite hard one. And sometimes it's, it feels that it is what we should do on part-time uh, and not on our full-time job, uh, which is structuring the leadership team. So as you were saying, the, um, the the top leaders uh, in in the company. So uh, how is how is your leadership team today uh, structured, and how do you see um, the leadership team evolving uh, in the uh, until Series B? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So pre pre Series A, as we're constantly running out of cash, um, you know everyone does everything, and uh, it's hard, right? It's it's hard for people. It's very stressful. Um, People want to try and stick at one thing and do it well, but that's that's how you know the way we think about that. That's how bigger companies work, right? They do the nine to five. Everyone sticks to their own department, and so if we do that and we're a small company, we'll never get into this industry, especially a BI space where you know the analytics space where it's competitive. So there was a lot of that. Um, but what we do is we try and use milestones that matter. Maybe a Series A, Series B. Um, usually, it's a number of customers or a key metric, it might be you know, monthly or annual recurring revenues and these sort of things. So that's how we got to there. As soon as we did the Series A, um, you know, that, was a, that was the signal of we need to now expand and find people who actually know what they're doing. Um, in each of these departments, um, you know, we, we're fumbling around, never even built an analytics company before, but we are techies and we kind of know how it should work. Um, and we've been a business owner, but it was all quite new. Um, now we've, uh, you know, we've hired the roles, right? It's an FD, head of sales, head of customer success, um, sorry, head of marketing. Um, that was apt. And um, and then uh, <laughs> and then where relative tried to put the right structure in place. So under customer success, uh, we think of customer success as the moment you engage with a prospect or customer. Whereas we found some people think of customer success as post onboarding. That just to us that just seems insane. Um, so under customer success, you then have a head of professional services, a head of tech support, um, you know, the CSM function, and then we haven't got it yet, but the kind of the training documentation uh, function as well. Um, so we're focused on making sure we have all the key hires in place. And of course, the benefit of funding is you can pay for, for, for very good people. Um, but trying to make sure they still got the growth mindset, realizing they're going to be extremely stressed at times. 
uh, and so on, but can lead well. So, um, and I'd say um, we're not really in a position now where we say we can't afford things, which is odd, I guess, because whereas before we're like, we can't have a head of product, we can't have this, we can't have that until we hit this annual recurring revenue. At that point, I can definitely raise money and we could hire those people. So that, that, that had the company extremely focused. You know, we just need another few months. We're just, this, just one quarter away from a Series A funding. Um, so we can tell the vision. And now um, we don't think about a Series B funding target, um, but, um, or maybe I don't communicate that. Uh, we think about um, another annual recurring revenue target, but understanding that it's underneath it. Um, sorry, the forward thinking ARR, so not just this year's number or the one we want to get to, but the following year's amount of growth rate, but equally churn, for example. Like, we do not want to get to that number and have lost many customers along the way because it clearly breaks trust in it. next. So we've got about four or five metrics or so that really matter um, to the business uh, at a top, top, top level. If I was talking about the traditional SaaS metrics, not the, the maybe the, the, the better softer ones like employee polls. Um, and so that'd be things like, you know, committed annual recurring revenue, churn, negative revenue churn, these sort of things. Um, and go, right, okay, well, if those four things are true, we are absolutely, uh, you know, clear. Got it. So in terms of your leadership team, so you have a net of customer success, uh, sales, marketing, product. Am I missing uh, any role here? And finance as well. Finance. Yeah. Got it. And of course, what you were saying, for instance, behind um, CS is really at this moment of the company, you start feeling the need to start building the middle management layer or the management layer of, of the company and starting to structure a little bit more uh, your org chart or the way you organize yourselves to get the priorities done and, and the vision uh, accomplish it. Yeah, well, with customer success, um, so what we see is most of the churn, or at least what I think I see, is most of the churn problems companies are having is just the onboarding side. It's not actually the product. It might be a pricing problem, it might be a product, but the product must have worked at some point during a demo or so on. Um, and what we see is the constant sell of, you, you sell the software and then you let your own devices to build it, or you pay professional services a huge amount of money and, and so on. So we, we, we're massively focused on customer success. Um, it's an expensive department for us in general, um, but we're famous for amazing customer success. And very fast, soft times, anything is possible, and so on. And if you think about, I know you said how much it costs us to acquire a customer, which I probably shouldn't do, but if you think about the amount of that, and instead put that money into customer success and retain those customers and be advocates. Um, and when they change jobs, they bring a bore into that situation as well. Um, it's just, you know, it's invaluable. And it's worth, even though we're still not a huge company, um, trying to think about dedicated functions in customer success early on um, uh, so that you are giving the best experience uh, possible. Cut it. Uh, it's, uh, you were just uh, talking about customer success and I don't know why, why but it popped up to my mind, uh, something which is really important and it's much more related with the topic that we were discussing before, uh, more the strategic focus um, of the company, which is segmentation. So you work on, on the B2B uh, sector with large enterprise, so which means that Segmentation is really uh, relevant uh, in order to keep the, the focus of, of the company. Are you working any kind of uh, working on any kind of segmentation at this stage or already opening up verticals 
or it's still you are trying to figure out what is the segment where you can uh, specialize the most after having data to, to take this decision? Sure. Um, I guess I probably answered it earlier as well, which is about the differentiation. Um, so if you looked at the yeah. looked at the quadrant, you know, the, the typical Gartner quadrant, or we talk about business, Got it. business analytics, these are mostly filled with dashboard tools um, and some end-to-end platforms. Um, as in end-to-end is in forest of called insights platform. You know, you handle the ingestion, the database, the dashboards and so on. Um, but what we see is going to happen, and we think we are heading towards that or in it, is, is a new category is going to be created which talks about end-to-end platforms only, where algorithms are running on that data. So not only are you bringing a huge amount of data in, there are lots of algorithms running on it. So it could be customer clustering for looking for similarities. It could be looking for anomaly detection, uh, sorry, looking for anomalies in the data, um, or you know, a whole array of things, right? And in our world, um, at Avora, we think, right, well, that's, that works, and it could be a hybrid type of cloud solution, like a data cloud. Um, and so we're pushing if you look at a technical feature or um, you know, what we do for our customers different to a dashboard is we're pushing into the automatic insights. You know, and people talked about that yeah. for know how long, but no one's ever really delivered on it very well. Um, so we're pushing there. Both Gartner and Forrester talk about a new category. They've got different naming conventions for it. I don't think they've quite decided yet, but a continuous kind of streaming intelligence um, sort of system. So I think you'll see the BI vendors all trying to move towards that. And, and that's partly like where I think Google's bought Looker, um, you know, and they've bought Aluma recently. They're trying to build that end-to-end insights platform, also targeted the enterprise, right? There's no shortage of low-end dashboards and tools for building simple stats, but the enterprise is, you know, is, um, has the same problems as such, but on a far, far bigger scale. Yeah. So that's where we're heading. Um, that's where we think the future is. That's where the the specialists say the future is, and that's what our focus is. Um, in, the, in, the, in the kind of uh, verticals, um, we, we're having success in a few areas. So um, more as a function as opposed to a vertical, but under media, marketing, ad tech, analytics. Here, mm-hmm. there's a large number of data sources required. Ideally, you want in-flight or live performance data. This isn't about real-time. This is about intraday. Right? So most people don't even have intraday of their performance, let alone to the minute or the hour, which is what we can do. Um, and so we have many use cases there. You know, we work with agencies doing their global reporting for their sub-clients, um, some of the largest mm-hmm. in the world, uh, agencies in the world. We've got clients like uh, HBO, NPR, uh, Man United, um, uh, you know, Ocado, and all those others. Right? So we, we find ourselves doing that kind of media ad tech marketing very well. Uh, we have supply chain and we have uh, financial reporting. We have a credit company uh, called uh, Elevate, for example. And so we've seen different use cases. We haven't really followed what was the advice, which was to narrow down on one one sector only. We definitely have our specialist side, as I just mentioned, but um, yeah. you know, platforms are very capable. So um, for us, we're going to maintain the media ad tech side um, and um, we just have more people to focus on the financial and the financial services um, sector as well. So, so yeah, that's, um, that, that suits our platform very well because the number of data sources is very high. So it's, it's, it's not abnormal um, you know, to have 150 different data sources. Like one of the telcos that's with us, uh, I think we're 130 or so data sources. Um, so this is true enterprise problems, not, not just a couple. Got it. 
Sounds perfect. And also the opportunity to keep growing and upselling and serving or adding more value to the client is, yeah. uh, is huge and why customer success uh, uh, is so important because it's, uh, as you were saying, it's, it, it takes so much to acquire a client. Why not serving a client that is already convinced of our value even more and adding even more value to, yeah. to those clients and help them sell us by being so delighted with, uh, with what yeah. we do. So yeah. amazing mindset. Uh, we, we have covered uh, a little bit your, your story. Uh, why did you start up um, Avora? We discussed a little bit about, about strategy or focus. Then we went through to discuss mo much more execution and what are your meeting rhythms then a little bit of the structure of your team in order to execute those priorities and to keep track of, of, the, of the goals on, on the meeting rhythms. So, and of course, for any company that is scaling, cash is, is king and being, and of course, every single strategic decision that we take uh, as an impact on being more aggressive, less aggressive. And especially, I think this is one of the most difficult um, shifts on the mindset going from C to series A and from series A to series B is uh, at the moment we are on the search mode and we are trying to protect as much as we can the cash on the company. Uh, but when we start scaling, it's really about being aggressive and uh, trying to conquer that category as soon as possible, which is a very difficult shift because we have been saving and saving and saving and trying to be frugal as much as we can. And now it's all about, so we need to achieve this what, what we need to do in order to get there. So it's not about uh, keeping us afloat until we find product market fit. It's uh, all about execution and execution fast. So what are your lessons uh, raising um, the, the, the A round? And, and yeah, let, let's start there without uh, oh, sure. to not overwhelm you, you with questions. Yeah, you raised so many points that, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's issues definitely once you've got the funding and, and that change in mindset. But um, if you concentrate on the um, I guess your question is more about tips for raising a Series A. Is that is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Correct. Correct. So um, I'd say um, so our Series A was pretty quick. Um, we kept talking about going out to market. We spoke to one or two VCs here and there. Got a feel for we hadn't had enough quarters in a row of success per se. Um, even though I mean it was very successful once we kind of pivoted 15 months ago, 18 months ago. But you need three quarters idea, I think, to show, okay, this is actually momentum and not a fluke. Um, also, if you're looking at the mid-level enterprise business side of things, the deal size is pretty big. So when you talk about added revenue per quarter, it doesn't take many deals to make it look good. But underneath, of course, you know, just closing two free deals doesn't mean that much, right? It's still very risky. So we, right. um, in terms of the traction points, we pulled out the the SAS metrics 2.0 list from um, the forentrepreneurs.com website, which is kind of a standard uh, list of metrics that matter. We built those, we measured them, felt disappointed in some, great about others. And we focused on making sure the key metrics that VCs care about are in the right direction. That was the first thing. And, um, and that's important, right? And things like retention, negative revenue churn, these are where these are, these are key. Um, but what I found out was, um, they care a lot about added revenue. So, and there was, at least in my mind, sorry, at least what I was told was 300,000 per quarter added revenue was a, was a kind of, and I might be wrong about this, but I was told by multiple VCs was a good number 
um, to suggest you might be good for a Series A. Now, typically they use the £100,000 a month uh, revenue as well, but that's not, you know, people always talk about that one, but it's really about added revenue. So hence you can be a much lower size, but you're showing a good amount of increase per quarter. So, so those were important. Um, when we had those, we were like, okay, we've got it. We've got the, you know, we've hit over these milestones. Uh, we've hit the milestones of, let's say, 100 and, and more. Um, we're hitting the added revenue amounts. Churn is negative revenue churn. Um, we've got amazing logos um, coming on board, which is, you know, why would they join such a small company? Um, these sort of things. So, and, and ultimately, this comes down to telling a story, right? So you're buying into the vision. No, one, no one's really... You're still selling the story and the vision before Series A. And I think then there's a Series A to Series B problem, mm -hmm. which is you can't sell the vision. You've got to show the numbers and traction. Um, and right. so it's a completely different scenario. But seed funding, um, series, up Series A, I think is really about have we got the potential to be that you know, massive company that they want to get their return on. Um, so that's the metrics and numbers. Um, outside of that, I'd say try and engage with the right VCs. Um, don't necessarily respond to all the spammy emails that keep coming through saying, oh, we've been watching you in this space. We're so impressed because these are, these are really just absolute time wasting. Um, try and get an introduction to the VC. Um, sometimes that's very hard to do, but the introduction makes a massive difference. Um, definitely VCs asked to meet me, even though they'd had my deck for two months um, and basically didn't even look at it. Uh, but once it came in from a recommendation, they went to meet straight away and was moving fast. So, you know, that's, it's, it's annoying, I guess, because not everyone is well networked, yeah. um, but it's, it's, it, it's, it's important to get that intro. Um, uh, we told our deck by numbers. So we just started off going, right, this is where we are today. These are the logos. Um, this is the metric. Look at this. It's going up every quarter. Uh, look at this metric and so on. And here's the future. And the presentation was pretty basic. Um, I think it was 14 slides in total, um, and that coupled with a financial model, uh, I think pretty much helped raise our funds. Now, clearly there was meetings and some DD, but you, you know, you're you're selling on the story and the and the and the metrics. So just focus on that. Um, other than that, um, there was a whole array of things, but but in general. Um, um, I guess if it's right to add it, um, you just want to make sure you've got the right VC. In the previous business I was in, um, which was when I sold pet meds, I saw, I mean, that business that acquired me ended up collapsing. Um, and you had a VC and investors were backing it for growth, which huge growth, went from like 20 to 40 to 70 million turnover. And then suddenly there was a change in tactic. You need to stop growing and go to profit. Um, and trying to do that at that stage with commitments in place was, was near impossible. Um, and of course, it starts getting worse and worse from there onwards. And I, I just wanted to make sure we had a, and going back to your point as well, which is the VC is always going, I want you to become worth a billion dollars. And of course, they right. want that because they make other investments which fail miserably, which is fine, right? That's the way it is. But you want to, I think there's a point around, have you got the right VC? It's not going to put so much pressure on you and it's doing the right thing for everyone, if that makes sense. You know, you don't want them saying you must become worth a billion at all costs when the founder might walk away with nothing and, and the team, I mean, the founder and the team. And I read a really good book recently um, uh, called Lost and Founder. Have you, I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, brutally, yep. honest, uh, brutally honest and, 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 and very good where the guys make, you know, the whole company's making people, is making less money worth 250 million than they were if they sold out at 25 million, right? And and that's, and I think that's a good book for everyone to read as a founder. It makes you sort of really think 
is it right to take the Series B, C investment? Are we doing it for everyone for the right reasons? Um, so it's important to get the right VC. Um, we had a fairly big rush of VCs coming to us once we'd got the story right. Um, so we went out in September um, last year. Um, but the ones that came forward um, and showed that they, they understood the vision, the journey, just behaved in a much nicer, friendlier, thoughtful way, I guess, than some of the others. Mm -hmm. I have to describe that, but it wasn't all about, right, we're going to take you to a billion, we can give you unlimited cash. It was just, right, this is what we would like to see as a minimum. We're going to help you. We understand this might be early. You don't yet have a sales marketing machine working or these other things. Um, but, um, but I was very nervous the whole time. Um, but uh, something happened, which um, at least for me, made me know we had the right ones. Um, so, in, um, so we started raising in September. We hit a term sheet, um, I think, end of October. Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry, uh, mid-October, we had a term sheet. Well done. And then, yeah, well, it was good. Um, and, you know, that was, that's down to the VCs, right? I guess I can say it's Albion and Crane. And, um, and then, um, bad news, um, mid-November, my, my brother died. Um, and we're, you know, I'm mid-funding as well. And that's okay. And we were going to run out of cash by Christmas. You know, this was critical. And, um, and if I had any doubts about the VCs, um, it was removed on that day when they called up and said, you know, obviously the usual, I'm sorry to hear this news, but um, don't worry. We're going to close this deal. We're going to do it on time. If there's anything that stops it because you need to take time off, we're going to wire you some cash immediately to make sure you don't have any problems. And, and in effect was offered, I think, something like £300,000 on a convertible loan note we could do in 24 hours if you need it to have some space for yourself. And, you know, for me, that was just, wow, like, you know, it was real, that's amazing. This was before any due diligence came yeah. up. So they was like, don't worry, we're here for you, we support you, and I promise you this deal will close. So that, you know, I'm not sure you can always get those sort of signals, but do look for the softer side, I guess, in general, that you've, you're actually getting into bed with the right VCs. Yeah, it's really, it's becoming partners for life. It's a very long time, yeah. the, the journey. So uh, assure that you are really working with people that give you a lot of energy and that you, yeah. you love to work with uh, instead yeah. of being an obligation. And uh, <laughs> Yeah. Well, make sure you've got the right VC for the right reasons. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and be sure you're taking it. You should take it for the right reason anyway, right? Maybe you're better off bootstrapping. Yeah. So, so and, uh, the conversation is being amazing and we would uh, keep but uh, for for hours, I'm sure, but we, we need to come to an end and I would like to uh, close the show by asking one of my favorite questions. So if you would have the opportunity to meet you or to catch up with yourself uh, at the beginning uh, of Avora, so what advice would you give to yourself? Oh, blimey. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I tell you what... Um... I would, um, I would uh, ask, I would try and give some advice to say, are you sure you want to do it? Um, I think I understand that most, most uh, founders make less money from running their own businesses with far more stress than they would have if they just worked for someone else. So <laughs> I think it's worth bearing that in mind, you know, bearing in mind the chance of success. I think the damage that can come out from a sort of highly driven approach is quite high. Um, I wouldn't say it's the only reason, but yeah, I am divorced. Um, and, you know, and then after I sold the business, we broke up, right? Like selling the business didn't make things better. Um, now that was clearly not the only problem, but it, you know, it can have a massive toll 
in general, right? You don't see your friends as much. Um, you have holidays with no breaks. You're always on your phone, checking emails, having calls and so on. And this is whether you're bootstrapped or VC funded, you, there's no other days rest per se. So you need to find the right balance. Um, and I think, um, uh, I, I think it's just fair to say you should think about yourself and your family before just thinking, you know, I need to make loads of money or be seen as a, as a, as a leader of some sort. Um, so I, I guess that boils down to um, probably maybe a bit controversial, but trying to say, think about self-esteem um, and think about the things that matter. And I think that would help you run a business better anyway, because you don't always feel, I think what I understand how I feel and how other businesses feel, other, other founders is you never feel like you've achieved enough. You know, you're always stressing every day. You can't get through things fast enough. And I think ultimately, maybe, maybe that boils down to some sort of self-esteem, you know, trying to rush. Now, people call it drive. And that's some truth to that, of course, right? You, you, you can't succeed. But just trying to find the right balance, I think, is, is what I try and push on there to, to, you know, to make sure you don't forget your family and your, your own self. With your own self that's 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 a really amazing thank you so much uh ricky uh, and thank you also to our community for uh tuning in and for watching this episode live or after um it is available on itunes soundcloud spotify on our own website youtube facebook uh, as you know or at scalepvalley.com uh, so uh, i'm sure that uh, Ricky is more than happy uh, to connect with uh, anyone who would like to love to learn more from him going through to your uh, LinkedIn profile or Twitter account and reaching out because I'm sure that Afora uh, keeps looking also to awesome people to strengthen the team. Uh,